From high atop Rocky Road in Moab, Utah, it's KZMU News. I'm Emily Arnson. This is your news for Tuesday, September 26th. The fate of off-road vehicle use in the Labyrinth Canyon corridor of the Green River will be decided later this week. After over a decade of deliberations on a travel management plan for this area, the Bureau of Land Management will finally make a decision about whether it will close some of the roads in that area, and if so, how many. BLM in 2008 designated about 1,200 miles of routes in the Labyrinth Gemini Bridges area. This is Laura Peterson, a staff attorney with the Southern Utah Wilderness Alliance. In 2008, SUA sued the BLM over its travel management plan for this area, among others. They claimed the BLM wasn't protecting the resources within Labyrinth Canyon in accordance with federal law. One of SUA's arguments is that the sound of motorized vehicles is harmful to wildlife and greatly detracts from the experience of other recreationists, like boaters along the stretch of the river. Right now, it's nearly impossible to get away from the sight and sound of off-road vehicles. It's a 300,000-acre area. Um, 94% of that area is within a half mile of a route. 99% is within a mile of a route, which really impacts other resource users and it impacts wildlife. SUA, as well as other environmentalists, say the roads are destroying the delicate riparian ecosystem. This is John Weisite, founder of Living Rivers, a nonprofit that promotes stewardship of the Colorado River. Almost 99% of anything that is breathing lives in the riparian zone which only makes up 1% of the Colorado River Basin. So that's how sensitive it is. And the other thing is, it's an oasis. So like, if there's a fire or something, that's what regenerates the landscape is those riparians. It's like the mother's seed of the planet, you know. The damage is done, and it's gonna take a long time, but it's better than making it worse. That was loud. (laughs) See, you just can't get away from this stuff, you know? It's just, I mean, that's what a wilderness is supposed to be. It's about finding some sanity in a world that's in chaos. The BLM has proposed four different travel management plans for this area. SUA is in favor of the most restrictive plan, which would close 437 miles of road. But this plan would still leave roughly 700 miles of roads open. And that's in addition to the greater Moab area, which has thousands of miles. The BLM's 2008 management plan designated more than 30,000 miles of motorized vehicle roads in just six field offices across Utah. Which really just, um, yeah, prioritize off-road vehicles at the expense of not only other resources, but, you know, watershed, habitat, soils, all things that BLM has a legal obligation to minimize damage to in its travel planning. The Grand County Commission is also in favor of the BLM's most restrictive travel management plan. This is Neil Clark, Wildlands Director at SUA. For transparency, it's important to note that Clark is also on the Board of Trustees at KZMU. The County Commission and local governments and citizens are understanding that you run the risk of losing non-motorized tourism if you flood the landscape with off-road vehicles. And And there's been a big shift in that as well with new technology, UTVs sort of louder, more accessible ways to use off-road vehicles. Clark argues this stretch of the Green River should be given similar treatment and protection to other nearby celebrated landscapes like the national parks. Arches is viewed as sort of the gem of Moab and Grand County, but I would argue that actually Labyrinth Canyon is the gem of the county. If you take the parks out of the equation, it's the most unique 
world-class river experience you could ask for anywhere in the country and uh, as far as a flat water wilderness float and we should be doing everything in our power to making sure that that resource is protected both for that recreational use and for the riparian resources and values that it brings and we're literally talking about less than half a dozen routes that lead to the to the river or go along the river um two in particular that go along the river and on balance from a management perspective that's it just doesn't make any sense to keep those open when uh closing closing those routes would have this you know enormous impact on the value of that river corridor Wysite points out that under the current travel management plan, different recreation users are held to different standards as far as stewardship is concerned. There's no management plan that is actually managing in a reciprocal way what we as river runners have to do. You know, like we have to carry out our poop, we have to carry out our trash, we have to, you know, we have safety measures to, to follow and a permit system, and, and, and they don't. You know, it's a free-for-all. The BLM will announce its travel management decision by September 30th. Environmental groups that protect the Black Mesa region in northeast Arizona say the coal company Peabody Energy has not done a sufficient job of reclaiming the now-defunct Cayenta mine. Because of this, environmentalists argue the company should not be refunded millions of dollars in bond release money. Chris Clements of KSJD has more. Recently, Peabody applied for the release of $17.3 million, part of a larger bond held by the Office of Surface Mining, or the OSM, for parts of the Kayenta mine that have undergone some phases of reclamation. The office is under the Department of the Interior and is tasked with ensuring coal mines adequately restore land damaged during strip mining. The bonds were posted with the OSM by Peabody to be returned only after the mine lands had been reclaimed to certain standards. In late August, the OSM held a public meeting on the bond release at the Navajo Chapter House in Forest Lake, where some community members also raised concerns about the long-term impact of mining on local water sources. A study published in July found that the impacts of coal mining on Black Mesa's Navajo Aquifer haven't been fully acknowledged by Peabody Energy or the OSM. The study says that Peabody used thousands of gallons of water from the aquifer on a daily basis, one of the only sources of drinking water for both the Navajo and Hopi tribes. Nicole Horseherder is a resident of Black Mesa and the executive director of Tona Jonene, a Navajo Nation nonprofit. Over the years, she and others in the region say they've witnessed the depletion of local water sources like wells and springs as the result of Peabody's groundwater overuse. Arizona and the federal government, the federal agencies have all had a hand in approving this big project from coal mining in northeast Arizona that eventually has led to this, to the depletion of our precious water sources. And nobody wants to be held responsible for it. Or Surter says Tona Jonene has until September 25th to submit final comments on Peabody's application to refund the bonds. I'm Chris Clements. Earlier this month, New Mexico's Pueblo tribes sent a delegation to Washington, D.C. to lobby members of Congress about the importance of protecting land around Chaco Canyon National Park. Clark Adamitis of KSUT and KSJD has more. The All Pueblo Council of Governors represents 20 Pueblo tribes in New Mexico. Council members met with officials from the Biden administration, as well as Democratic and Republican members of Congress. The visit was an effort to show support for an oil and gas drilling ban on federal lands around Chaco Canyon National Park. 
In June, the Biden administration established a moratorium on new oil and gas leases around Chaco. But congressional Republicans are currently pushing a bill called the Energy Opportunities for All Act that would dismantle those protections. The Energy Opportunities for All Act wouldn't do many years of work. Taryn Villa, executive director of the council, says the delegation was looking to emphasize the importance of Chaco Canyon to members of Congress. Being able to hear the importance of Chaco Canyon to Pueblos and why it needs to be preserved as a UNESCO World Heritage Site is something that really uplifted the spirits of many of the members of Congress to appreciate cultural heritage. Even if the U.S. House passes the Energy Opportunities for All Act, it's unclear if the bill would get a hearing in the U.S. Senate. I'm Clark Adamaitis. And that's the KZMU News for Tuesday, September 26th. Get your community-powered journalism weekdays on the airwaves at noon and 6 p.m. You can also find KZMU News anytime online at kzmu.org or wherever you listen to podcasts.